Well, happy Easter, everybody. How you doing? My name is Toby. I'm one of the pastors here at Cross Timbers. And whether you're sitting in a bubble in Argyle, whether you're sitting in a rented facility over in Corinth or downtown, just outside of downtown in Denton, I just want you to know we are so glad that you've chosen to be with us to celebrate what we believe to be the most important event in human history, the moment that everything changed, the resurrection of God himself in the name of Jesus Christ. We're excited about it. And so I, I want to take just a few moments this Easter weekend, and I want to talk to you about your destiny, about disappointment, and about moments that mark you and shouldn't mark you at all. 24 Easter's ago, I stood up and gave my first Easter sermon with this Bible. I haven't pulled it out in years. The print is so small, I really need a magnifying glass. <laughs> but I have great affection not only for this paper Bible, but the words in Mark 16. And so I want to read them, and I want to pray, and then I want to share with you for a moment. Okay, is that okay with everybody? Thanks, because I'm going to. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And here's the understatement of Mark 16. They were alarmed. I guess so. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He's risen, just like he told you. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you. Into Galilee, there you will see him, just as he told you. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the faith of these women. These powerful, persevering women who got out of bed expecting to pour warm oil on a cold body. And you let them see a miracle. There's lots of us today that have our head down, doing our lives, getting by. Lord, in the name of Jesus, the resurrected one, would you do a miracle today? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Show of hands, true confession time. Any of you ever had a dream about doing something or being something that you have no gift, ability at all to ever do in your life? Any four-foot-two people dream of dunking in the NBA? Anybody? <laughs> Got anybody in here that just dreams of standing on a stage and leading worship and heaven falling, and yet when you open your mouth, it sounds like a cat with his tail caught in the screen door? Anybody besides me? See, every pastor wants to be a worship leader. Every worship leader wants to be a pastor. Uh, I've had those dreams in my life. I, one of the dreams that I, I don't think I've ever talked about publicly here is when I was a kid, I was infatuated with the movies. And I had this dream that one day I would become a movie maker. 
Now, what's funny about that is now at 54 years of age, I know about as much as I did at eight about lighting, scenes, camera. I can't even work my iPhone. I don't know how those guys work a camera. I know nothing about it, but I always dream when I hear a story, a great story about what kind of movie it would make. Does that make sense to everybody? And it's, I think about the, again, no way ever that I would know how to pull it off. I just get this concept in my head. And every time I read the Easter story, I think if I could make a movie, I would make a movie from the perspective of one disciple. Now, if I made a movie, I know what the format would be. I know that much. I love what they call reverse chronology movies, where they start at the end and they go back to the beginning. I think it's masterful storytelling. I could tell you a bunch of movies that have been made that way, but it would, many of you of a younger generation would have no clue what I'm talking about. So we'll just pick one in the middle, okay? Like one of the most famous ones, one of my top five movies of all time, is a reverse chronology movie called Forrest Gump. This is the opening scene. You remember this? In the opening scene, this is the, he is sitting on the bench telling the story, and then they go back to the first of the story. And because I love that kind of storytelling, my movie, if I ever got to make it, would begin in Mark 16 with one sentence. Go tell the disciples and Peter that he's risen. And I would let that kind of hang in the air for a moment. Because I'd want the people watching this movie to ask, how come he singled out Peter? What about the rest of them? Why did he say the disciples and Peter? And to answer that question, reverse chronology, it'd be awesome. You'd go back to the beginning. The next scene would be the scene of the Sea of Galilee. And there'd be this country bumpkin, and I mean country boy, named Peter, who's out there with his brother fishing. And the Bible says that as they're out there fishing, these country boys in the country on the Sea of Galilee, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, Mark 1, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And I would put that sentence up on a black screen and I would circle the word saw. And behind me, because I'm, again, I think about this too much. Like I like the music in movies. I think it sets the mood, right? It kind of tells it. So the music would be ominous right here. Because the scene one, there'd be, it would say, God sees me. And I know Peter grew up like many of us did in a, in a religious culture where we were told from a very young age, God is watching you, and it wasn't a pleasant thought at all, was it? See, in the Greek language in which the New Testament was written, it's a very precise language, and there's two different words used for the word saw somebody. One is the one used here. He noticed him. It's just like, hey, I saw you over there. Hey, I see you back there. But the other is a word that is beyond I noticed you. It's I see you with understanding and compassion. You, you guys get what I'm saying? Like, like you, sometimes you're in a room and people see you, but you feel like nobody ever really sees you. Peter was noticed by Jesus, began to walk with him, and he sees Jesus seeing with understanding and compassion people that nobody else sees. He sees 
One day, Jesus is teaching in a house. And people are coming. The house is full. Jesus loves a full house. And uh, the house is full. And these four guys walk up. And they've got a buddy. And he's paralyzed. He's paralyzed from the neck down, the scripture indicates. And they, they bring him over on a mat. And they're, they can't get close to the door. I mean, it's, it's, the room is full. And so it sounds cool in the Bible. It's probably not cool for the guy who was like hosting the meeting. But they went up on the roof and cut a hole and lowered him down. Right? And they, got, they did whatever it took to get him in front of Jesus. And this is interesting because the Bible says, and Peter watched it, when he saw their faith. Not the paralytic's faith, their faith. The paralytic had nothing to give, but because his friends had faith, Jesus released a miracle. Because sometimes, like Peter, I don't feel like I have much to give. I don't have much to offer. And yet, my Bible teaches me that when I have relationships that matter, Relationships with people who love Jesus, who have faith in Jesus for me. When I'm in a spiritual family, really in a spiritual family, that it is possible for other people's faith to release a miracle in my life. That's why at Cross Timbers, we teach passionately. The importance of building relationships that matter. Not if, but when the moment comes that you need someone to believe for you. It's why I'm launching next weekend a family series here. And for many of you, you go, I don't need to go to a spiritual, to a family series. I don't have a family yet. Some of you say, I'm not going because when I say the word family, you think about the dysfunction in your family. See, but I'm going to begin by teaching you about spiritual family. And about the promise of Jesus to give you brothers, sisters, aunts, and uncles that are able to give you things that your blood family aren't even able to give you. He saw their faith. I I think about the time that Peter is walking along with the other disciples. And again, it's another crowd. And Jesus is trying to get to a ministry appointment. And this woman walks up and nobody notices her. And she has what the Bible calls is a... Decade long, she has an issue of blood. I don't know what it means, but I know this. The Bible says that she spent every penny she had going from doctor to doctor, and yet she still was suffering from this issue. And so she, in desperation, said, if I just touch his cloak, maybe he would heal me. And so she touched his cloak. Jesus instantly stopped. The Bible says he felt the power leave him. And he asked his disciples, he looked at Peter and his disciples and said, who touched me? And they said, you've got to be kidding me. There's a crowd of people and you want to know who touched you? Everybody's touched you. But Jesus looked and he saw the woman and he said, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. And Peter understood that there are times even when you feel like you're out of options, that Jesus shows up and does the unthinkable. I mean, God bless some of you that God has been your first resort your whole life. For many of us, God's done a miracle when we run out of options and he's our last resort. 
He sees you when you tried everything but him. I think that what Peter began to see is that Jesus was giving value and purpose to people who lived in a culture that weren't getting any anywhere. That Jesus was saying with his life, you were born on purpose, for a purpose. And there's a destiny that I have for you to walk into. Because Jesus still sees things that other people never see. And then scene two would begin. And scene two would start and I'd have a black screen and it would say, he calls me out. And I would use like some punk rock or some heavy, something that really made your ears hurt. Because I'd want to leave the moviegoer with the impression that getting called out is not a really great thing. In fact, Jesus and his disciples leave this little country area of the Sea of Galilee and they go up to the northernmost spot. It's a town called Caesarea Philippi and they sit at the entrance to the city. And up on the top of the hill, there's this cave that the water comes out of and gurgles out of. And it's where all the Greeks believed that the God of Pan, it's where we get the word panic, anxiety, comes from. And Jesus is looking up at that rock and he says, who do people say that I am? And they start answering him, well, some think you're John the Baptist, some think you're Elijah or one of the prophets. And all of a sudden, Jesus turns and looks directly at Peter and says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, I think you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon. I'm now calling you Peter. Because this wasn't revealed to you by man. It was revealed to you by God. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And then he says these crazy words about that whatever you bind on earth... You're going to buy, what's ever bound in heaven is going to be bound on earth. And whatever's loosed in heaven is going to be loosed in earth. And Jesus says to Peter, you're not who you think you are and you have more authority than you think you have. He knows that Peter has grown up impetuous, impulsive, putting his foot in his mouth. Kind of the introvert who always finds himself getting in trouble. And like many of us, Peter has gotten messages through the years about who he really is. And yet Jesus gives him a new name. See, in our culture, names are decorative. But in the culture in the days of Jesus, names are demonstrative. Jesus was saying, here's who you really are. You're not impulsive. You don't go with the wind and the waves. You're a rock. You're solid. I see something in you that even you can't see in you. It's why it crossed timbers. We believe that the first step to move from believing to following, because it's following that sets you free, is learning how to hear God tell you who you really are. Because once you begin to understand who you really are and how much power and authority God has really given you, you can step into your destiny. But here's what's funny about it for Peter. Like many of us, it takes a long time for Peter to start living and being the person that Jesus said he was. 
I mean, it's crazy when you read it in the Bible. Jesus gives him a new identity, says, you're a rock. Three verses later, Jesus is telling his disciples, hey, I'm going to have to die. And the Bible says something, says Peter begins to rebuke him. Now, I don't know if you've gone to church your whole life or this is your first time in 30 years. How many of you can admit that like trying to correct or rebuke God is probably not a good idea? Right? And Jesus, three verses after he said, you're right, said, get behind me, Satan. Come on, man. You don't want God calling you Satan. Right? It's not going to be three chapters later that they're sitting around a Passover table. Jesus begins to predict that Judas is going to betray him. And if you want to get a little bit about like what Peter's like, Peter's like my daughter when she was in high school. My daughter would come in, my wife and I would be having a conversation, and her first words would be, are y'all talking about me? No, sweetheart, we actually have conversations that don't involve you. I mean, you really aren't the center of the universe. Really, you're not. And Jesus, start, you know, if you kind of get that, Jesus starts talking about somebody's going to betray me. Peter pops off and goes, well, I don't know who it is, but it ain't going to be me. I ain't going to do that. This rock starts writing checks with his mouth that his body can't cash. And Jesus looks at him and says, hey, before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me. And because Jesus always tells the truth, we know that he was arrested later that evening, beaten, thrown before a kangaroo court, a mock court, and around a fire on the outskirts of the city, a little teenage peasant girl three times says, weren't you with Jesus? And three times Peter denies him and the rooster crows. And there began, everybody look at me, the longest three days of Peter's entire life. I've been doing this 30 plus years, public ministry. If you were to ask me what is the, what is the overall overarching theme of the battle that people fight, I would give you two words, shame and regret. And if you've ever played the if-only game, if you've ever wondered about how God feels about you, when you do it and you should have known better and you did it anyway, when you said it and you know you shouldn't have said it, but you said it anyway, when it got broken beyond repair and it's your fault, there's no ifs, ands, and buts around it, and you want to know how God feels, then it's very important to watch what happens next between Peter and Jesus. Now, there's 40 days in between the resurrection of Jesus and his ascension into heaven. 40 days. I, we're in the middle of a series called 40. I see it everywhere. 40 days. And what's interesting is in those 40 days, you never see recorded any personal interaction between Jesus and Peter. Now, I'm not saying Peter's not there, but there's no actual conversation recorded. Why? Because your shame will always push you back into the shadows. Always. The power of shame is the power to push you in back into the shadows. To pull your cards in close so you don't get hurt again. But finally, in John's gospel, that moment comes. 
It's interesting. The Bible says that Peter says to the other disciples, I'm going to go fishing. I'm going back to fishing. And they all went with him. Now, what's interesting about them going back to fishing is every place in the Bible you read about Peter fishing, he gets skunked. He's terrible at it. I mean, he really is. I mean, I fish for a hobby. I don't like getting skunked. If you're getting, like you're fishing for your life and you're getting stuck, no wonder when Jesus said, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. He said, sure, I'm going to go. Anything's better than this. You're getting skunked all the time. Why would you go back to something you're not good at? Because when you get under pressure, when I get under stress, when I'm disappointed, I will go back to what I'm comfortable with even if it isn't working. And the room grows silent because many of you know that you are, have gone back to business as usual because following Jesus, this isn't like an attractional Easter message. Look at me, following Jesus is hard. And they go out fishing that night, and guess what the Bible says? They don't catch anything. Shocking. They never catch anything. And Jesus is standing on the edge of the shore, and he calls out, and they don't recognize him. Are you caught anything? And they said, no, because they're not good at it. And Jesus says, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. And they catch 153 fish. And all of a sudden, light bulbs start going off. Now, just a side note. Everybody listen. This is important. Because we're not the sharpest knives in the drawer, God will show us something, reveal something. And because we have a tendency to forget what we ought to remember, remember what we ought to forget, look for patterns. The pattern of my life has been he'll show it to me again and again and again, right? And so they jump out of the boat. John, who is writing his gospel when he's 90, I love this about this old man, looking back on his life. John, he, he's the only disciple, he, he refers to himself in third person. He calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. Like the first member of the NBA was John. He always talks about himself in third person. The disciple whom Jesus loved said, look, it's the Lord. And so Peter, he, he puts his clothes back on and jumps in the water and tries to beat the boat to shore. For the life of me, I don't know why you put your clothes back on and jump into the water. But I do know this. I know it's important for us to understand that Peter still has an impulsive, impetuous personality. Men, look at me, men. God does not want to change your personality. He wants to transform your character. Okay? He's not trying to turn you into a Bible-banging weirdo that listens to KLTY all the time. That's not what he's trying to do. He's trying to make you the very best version of you. He's going to use his impetuousness, his impulsiveness to mold him to a great leader in the book of Acts. And so they come and they begin to have breakfast together. I'm sure as the smell of that fire hits Peter's nostrils, you know how smells take you back places? Anybody know, like you know what your grandma's house smelled like? Well, he smells the fire and guess the last time where he was with Jesus. It was at a fire where he was denying him three times. And all that shame and regret rushes back. And after they finish the meal... Jesus looks at Peter and he says, in front of all the disciples, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he asked him three times. Why? Because he had denied him three times. Peter had publicly 
said, I'll never deny you. And Jesus publicly restores him. Well, how do you know Jesus trusted him? Because you don't, you only trust people when you give them your most prized possession. I mean, I may like you, but you ain't keep my grandkid unless I trust you. I'm telling you the truth. And Jesus trusted him enough to say, I've got something for you to do. And the final act of my movie would come up with these words, my destiny. Because what Peter realizes as Jesus ascends is that his life is not over. It's just beginning. It's crazy. He gets filled with the Holy Spirit. He starts preaching the gospel. He preaches one day and 3,000 people fall on their knees, Jews, and give their life to Christ. He's so full of the Holy Spirit, he walks down the street. His shadow hits people and they get healed. Come on, somebody. That's an anointing for healing. The one who was intimidated by a Jewish peasant girl is standing before governmental authorities and saying, you can kill me if you want to, but I'm not going to quit telling people that Jesus Christ is Lord. His life was just beginning. And all of a sudden, the flashbacks begin to happen. You know the flashback scenes in movies? Don't you love them when it all starts making sense? And he flashes back to the calling at the Sea of Galilee. And all of a sudden, he remembers. He flashes back to standing there watching Jesus stand over a half-naked woman who is caught in the act of adultery and who says to men holding stones, I'll break the law if that's what it takes to restore this woman because I've come to bring the law of love and peace and restoration. He flashes back to the moment at the Passover table when he writes this check with his mouth. His body's not going to catch. And then he remembers the moment that he stood in the empty tomb And saw the linen cloths. And this country boy who had only known this area around the Sea of Galilee goes on to establish, empower, and lead churches in the nation of Turkey. Beyond his wildest dreams. And he writes in one of his letters back to one of the churches that he established these words... In 1 Peter, listen to what he says. He says, what a God we have and how fortunate we are to have him. This father of our master, Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for. Including a future in heaven and the future starts now. And the cool thing about my movie is I won't have to hire any outside people to tell stories about how Peter's story is their story. I've got hundreds of them right here. I think the headline story for me would be the story of a friend of mine named Doug. Let's watch this together. Like, I thought it was normal. I thought I, we had a normal life, and then we had uh, family issues that happened, and uh, 
life wasn't the same no more, and uh, so I turned to drugs and alcohol at a young age. I didn't have nothing figured out, man. I, I, I started doing drugs at 12 years old, and I was drinking drugs, and that's all I did until I was 33 years old. So my destiny was prison, pretty much, prison or death. First meeting I ever went to was 26, so when I was 33, went back into AA and until everybody crawled back through the doors. When I was going to AA and I, I was watching these people, and trust me, when I came through the doors, I was unlovable, I was un, unacceptable, I was all those things in my mind, and they loved me anyway. And I knew it was, I knew it was different, it was something else, and they always, and they talked about God, 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 and I, I knew nothing about God. And there was a really awesome man in my life named Mac, and he, uh, he used to talk about God. And uh, he would tell me, how much God loved me, and you know, I, I didn't know what direction I was headed. I mean, I knew I didn't want to drink and drug anymore. That's all I knew. So I uh, embarked on my journey. I'm so blessed. I mean, I, I, I've got things in my life today that make me know that He does love me and that I do matter, and uh, and He loves us all, and we all matter. As long as I stay on that path, life is wonderful. God is wonderful, you know, and uh, I just want to show people the love of Christ. I know what the love of Christ looks like, and I know how it feels. And today my calling here at Cross Timbers Church is when I, uh, I serve as a, a greeter at the front doors, and, and I get to welcome people home to Cross Timbers Church. That is a home. I love it. It's, 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 where, it's where Christ has me. It's, I know it's my spiritual gift is hospitality or whatever they call it. I just call it smiling. And uh, that's what I like to do is smile and say, welcome home. And, and, thing I love to say is I love you and there's nothing you can do about it because I'm going to love you anyway. I don't know what I would do if I didn't get to greet people on Sunday morning at Cross Timbers Church. I love the life God's given me and I love the destiny. If this is good enough, if it gets no better, this is wonderful. I know Doug well. He's a good friend. He usually sits in the front row of our Denton campus on our Thursday nights. And then, as he said, he's standing usually at our Argyle campus on a Sunday morning greeting people. And if I can say with confidence that if you would have asked that 26-year-old Doug who's out of options, do you think you'll ever get to a place in your life where being used by God to share the love of God with people, standing in the doorway of a church every week, that you would ever say, if it doesn't get any better than this, it'll be good enough for me. Doug would look at me and say, hell no. See, some of you believe because of the lies that you have believed, because of the mistakes that you've made, that your destiny is your ceiling. You believe that coulda, shoulda, woulda, and if you just would have tried harder, prayed more, made less mistakes, somehow God might have moved you to a place like what you saw in that video. Look at me, everybody. Easter is not an event to be remembered. It's an experience to be lived out today. This is not simply about Jesus Christ being resurrected. It's about because he was resurrected, he's resurrecting you. You were made on purpose, for a purpose. You were designed by God. Your destiny is larger than you could ever begin to ask or imagine. 
God wants to use you. God wants you to experience the power of spiritual family, being filled with his Holy Spirit, and being able to do things that only God could do through your life. God wants to make you his image of who you are. Now, I don't know a lot, and I've got my issues, but I will say with confidence that if you had told 18-year-old me that in April of 2018 I'd be standing on the stage with the privilege of sharing the greatest story ever for 25 years, I would have told you you were crazy. But his resurrection power is real. Some of you don't know me and you watch this at your campus or you sit here with us and you go, why is that old man always tearing up? It's because I watch this stuff happen in people's lives and it blows me away every time. This is your moment. The only moment that marks your life is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Don't give anybody else any power anywhere else to mark or define your life. So I want to pray for you. And then I want you to, I want to kind of conclude with, I want you to go back to my movie for a moment. I told you I'm a, I'm a music nut in movies. And the end of my movie is Doug's video completed this Music would begin that you hear behind me, and then somebody like Jessica would begin to sing a song that a church called Elevation Church, their, their worship ministry, wrote, but I think it could have been penned by Peter. It's called Resurrecting. Can you imagine Peter standing, watching Jesus ascend into heaven? Speaking these words, the head that once was crowned with thorns is crowned with glory now. The Savior knelt to wash our feet. Now at his feet we bow. The fear that held us now gives way to him who is our peace. His final breath upon the cross is now alive in me. Your name, your name is victory. All praise will rise to Christ our King. By your spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat because the resurrected King is resurrecting me. That is the good news of Easter. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you that you're still in the resurrecting business over and over and over again. I thank you, Lord, that you are a living hope. Not an event in the past, but an experience in the present and the future for each one of us. Lord, I pray for people today who've never surrendered their lives to Christ. I'm not talking about walking an aisle, praying a prayer, filling out a card. I mean, you know you never have fully surrendered to Jesus. That's you. As, as everybody's heads are bowed and their eyes are closed, just to have a private moment, would you just raise your hand? I want to just pray for you. That this journey of you finding freedom and following Jesus would begin. Just raise your hand. Father, I thank you for the hands that I see and those that I can't. I thank you, Lord, that uh, 
that resurrection power is available to us. I thank you, Father, for the beginning of a walk into a destiny. It's not going to be an easy road, but the road's going to be worth it, Lord. Lord, I pray for people this day who, like Peter, have just kind of gone back to what they know, gone back to the comfortable. Maybe if it's not working, but you know you've kind of gone back to business as usual. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I just want to pray for you. I know there are dozens of you. Lord, I just pray for more of you in the lives of us that tend to go back to the comfortable and the known, even when it doesn't work. And I pray, Father, for a releasing of your spirit and your power to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could ever even ask or imagine. And I just want to pray this. I feel compelled in this moment. I've never prayed this on Easter, but I want to pray for believers that want more of a touch of the power of the Holy Spirit, like what we see in the life of Peter. And if that's what you want, you're a believer, just raise your hand right now. Just we're gonna, Lord, we do not have the power in our own. We are asking from power to heaven, from heaven, to fill our hearts, our lives, to empower us to walk into our destiny, Lord, to give us courage where we don't have it, to give us an anointing, an unction, a, a gift from you that would be leveraging the lives of other people. Father, we want to see Jesus. His name to be known in our region of the world. And we ask you humbly and boldly to use us, fill us with more of your Holy Spirit that would transform us into the image of Jesus and would allow us to, to live out the destiny that you have for us. Father, we thank you for it. We say with one voice this day, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Fear that held us now gives way to him who is our peace. His final breath upon the cross is now alive in me. Your name, your name. of defeat the resurrected king is resurrecting me in your name I come alive to declare your victory the resurrected king is resurrecting me and by your spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat the
Scriptures watched in vain was borrowed for three days. His body there would not remain. Cause our God has robbed the grave. Our God has robbed the grave. good news church the power of the resurrection is in us and what that means is we get to walk out of here we get to walk out of here with a new life in front of us with victory we get to walk out of defeat into the victory that we have in Jesus and tonight if, if you made a decision to follow Christ for the first time what an incredible decision and man we're praying for you we're grateful for you but we think the next best decision is to tell someone about it. So if that's you, man, we have people at our Connection Center, which is right in the lobby. You can find anyone who has a name tag or, or, a, or a lanyard on and tell us about the decision that you have made. Or maybe you were in the room tonight and you resonated with the fact that you're just going back to your old ways. And remember that the power that is inside of you, that we have the ability to walk in what God has called us to. And let's do that. Man, if you are new with us this Easter, we are so glad that you are here and we have a gift for you at the Connection Center in the lobby. Head out there after service. We'd love to give it to you. Also, we're so excited for our series that's coming up, our family series. Whether we like it or not, we have a family, right? And so this is gonna impact all of us and our friends. And man, we think it's gonna be a great time to learn about what God can tell us about family. So bring your friends to that. It's gonna be good. Also, we have services at 4 p.m. on Saturday. And 9, 10, 30, and noon on Sunday. And we would, man, love it if you would bring people back with you. If you know someone who needs to hear the message of Jesus, bring them back with you this weekend. Thank you for being with us. Y'all have a great Easter weekend. You're dismissed.